Sandstone, Cream Dog. Great to be with you early What's in the morning. What's going on, Bing? Good morning, man. I can, we're gonna be here all week, so got jokes for all week. Oh, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun times. Oh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Couldn't wait to talk about the game this weekend, the National Football League. What a joke a lot of these teams are. The Chargers, by the way, are in the playoffs now. Who saw that coming, Cream Dog? I mean, it wasn't me, but Carrington was. Charger dot. Justin Herbert's now thrown three picks in the last two games. Like you think about these pantheon of quarterbacks, who's going to be in that group and who's not? Would you put Justin Herbert in that group? And I know they've had a bunch of injuries. They've had more injuries than anybody in the league or in the division. I mean, yeah. See, I, I could, yeah. you're not alone saying that. I mean, just, you know, have some fortitude and say, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, well, yes. Well, Pete Sweeney's all about him, right? Every day, we'll talk to Pete here at about 730, but he's all about him. But Justin Herbert, yeah, they get into playoffs, beat the Colts, nice job. No touchdowns the last two weeks and three picks. And that's the guy people say is better than Joe Burrow. Like, they're not saying he's better than Mahomes anymore. It's better than Joe Burrow, and he's not. He's not even close to Joe Burrow. I know that people want to say that, but he's not. And that's it's ridiculous. If anybody wants to say that, then they're they literally have been watching what Joe Burrow's actually have done in the National Football League. Heck, he took the Cincinnati Bengals to the Super Bowl last year. You can't really say Justin Herbert's better than him. After a bad year that he sits there and goes and wins at Arrowhead Stadium in the postseason. Should have won that Super Bowl, honestly, if he had a better offensive line. They were that close to the Rams. That was one of those games that could have gone could have gone either way. But and then that, now with Collins hurt, who knows if they're even make it back that far. Now we'll get into the playoffs in the NFL because it is interesting. And, of course, it's going to be Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals watch this weekend. Yes, I know the Broncos are here in town, but the most important game for the Kansas City Chiefs takes place next Monday night. Cincinnati and Buffalo. Get your popcorn. Get your beer. Get ready to go, Cream Dog. So, hey, we'll talk to Pete Sweeney coming up at about 730. We'll talk to Dana Hughes, color analyst of the Kansas City Chiefs, at 830. But... Uh, This was an interesting thing, and I'll get into Chiefs' uh, topic here in just a minute, but Paul Hackett let go. And who saw this coming? You know what's funny is, like, how many times fans are right and teams are not right? I see this all the time, Kramer. When he was hired, we all snickered. Nathaniel Hackett doesn't even call plays in Green Bay. Oh, he's with Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVP in Green Bay. Nathaniel Hackett's the answer. Son of Paul Hackett of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, by the way, he was wearing Chiefs, you know, stuff as kids because he went to high school here locally. But during the season, one of uh, five head coaches fired since what uh, last twenty years uh, w- while the season is still going on. But he deserved to go. Now I've always been like this: if you have a bad coach, you might as well let him coach because it's good for playoff positioning and tanking. Because if your head coach is absolutely terrible, keep him employed. Like, that's always been my motto. Like, if you get until the end of the year, just keep him employed. Because you don't want to, quote, tank 
you know, you're not supposed to tank, but teams do it anyway. Have that head coach do it, but because you know what happens when you sometimes fire a coach, the team gets inspired to play for somebody else. Exhibit A, Carolina Panthers. You know, you fire somebody midseason or during the season, and look, everybody wants that. Uh, everybody wants to play for that coach. They don't have lost the locker room or Russell Wilson, and they can't do anything about Russ. But here's the thing: Seattle's got their pick. Yes, they're picking because of, through San Francisco at the end of it. It's going to be like pick 29, 30, something like that. Who knows where San Francisco ends up? But it's going to be a late pick in the first round. But they're losing their pick because that's going to the Seattle Seahawks for Russell Wilson. So, eh, Seattle probably wants them to lose. Like, Seattle should be rooting for them to lose all season long, to be third, you know, third pick in the draft. They should be wanting that. But you expect them to come in and beat the Kansas City Chiefs? I don't know. No, no, and this is actually going to help Seattle out even more if they want to get at that top three pick in the National Football League's draft because, I mean, the better chance there you have your good – at least get a good guy if it's not Geno Smith over there in Seattle. I mean, the Broncos are helping them out. Heck, they even pretty much gifted it to him now, especially with Hackett gone. No, they did. They did, but here was uh, Ian Rampaport's report yesterday. Anyway, so Tom mentioned the, uh, the sideline skirmish yesterday. That was really emblematic of a lot of the issues here. And, you know, the play on the field was terrible – the quarterback play, terrible. But the fighting on the sideline may have been worse because that was a sign that Coach Nathaniel Hackett had really lost his team. Complete disorganization on the sideline. Players running amok, yelling at each other. It was all bad, but but that was really a sign that it could actually get worse. Things could really implode in the locker room. You'd seen players playing hard the last couple games. That was not that yesterday. It was all bad. A clear, clear sign that this team was very much over first-year coach Nathaniel Hackett. And, and Tom's right. There were signs early that this was not working out. The the uh, issues in the first game, really, they had had to hire a game management coach. You know, within the first couple weeks of Nathaniel Hackett's tenure, that was a really, really terrible sign. Nothing ever went right for the Denver Broncos. They got to get some coach in here to help fix Russell Wilson, make him into a good quarterback again because they have no choice. They're committed to him monetarily for years to come. There you go. Nathaniel Hackett, the uh, CBS Sports pointed out, the fifth head coach since 1970 merger uh, to be fired during the season. So not finish the season out. Hey, Bink, do you think that uh, the Hackett was pretty much gone, like riding on the wall once they know that everybody was watching the game on Sunday and they put up 51 points, the Rams did? Do you think that's like, all right, the own, the the Ownership's like, yeah, we're done. Yeah, Baker Mayfield, that's the final straw. Baker Mayfield was yeah, just all over him. But Nathaniel Hackett with Russell Wilson, that whole combination would be what you needed in the AFC West. That, that was a, a bad game, the Broncos and Rams. That was not an entertaining game to watch. And it was the only game on to, to, to watch. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's Christmas Day game. But you know what happened is, at the beginning of the year, they said, ooh, we get the defending Super Bowl champions, and then you got Big Russ playing them. But the Broncos let everybody down. Fifth coach since the 1970 merger. They forgot one, though. They forgot about Matt Rule. They got Nathaniel Hackett, Urban Meyer, and Bobby Petrino, unless it's first-year head coach, let go. But Matt Rule um, started the season one and four. But they've started playing. Like, the Panthers have been a good football team since he's gone. And that's what Andy Reid kind of said yesterday in his uh, press conference with the media. He said something like, well, you don't know what to expect. I mean, this isn't what you expect with Nathaniel Hackett gone because they got rid of the line coach, Cream. They got rid of their special teams coach, too, didn't they? They went and fired a lot of different people. They were, uh, put it this way, 
they were uh, very busy on firing. And I don't know, it's really bad if you can't even wait two games. Like, it's really bad. Yeah, but their special teams coordinator and offensive line coach um, were fired. So, yeah, they're probably going to be in disarray when they get to Kansas City. But why'd you hire Nathaniel Hackett? I think all of us on the outside said that's a big mistake. That, and why would you do it the day after Christmas? Like that too. Like it's like well, it's guaranteed money though. That's so. true. You're right. You're right. I mean, they're getting they're getting paid or not. The funny thing is, is with these coaches, especially in the AFC West, it was built to stop the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Denver hasn't beaten the Chiefs since 2015. They thought this was their answer, and I thought that team was on the right track. To be honest with you, even last year with John Fox, I thought, all right, if they go in the offseason with a new head coach, because Fox is a great defensive coordinator. Terrible head coach. If they go in, he's bad with quarterbacks. So if you take, a, if they got a new head coach and a new quarterback, this could be a decent team. Well, they go out and get both. And who saw this Russell Wilson thing coming? I thought he had been a serviceable quarterback in the AFC West. Not to, I would never think we're, we're talking about the worst quarterback in the AFC West, and that includes over Derek Carr. Yeah, Russ is definitely the worst in this division. But no, even like how he was playing in the, the last couple of years in Seattle. Like, I mean, we could see the, the slight decline after like week seven or week eight, but it's just like the, it literally hit us all at once this season, at week one. Like, clearly, we could tell week one this is a different quarterback than what we've seen in Seattle. Nine postseason wins for Russell Wilson. Holmes already with eight. Russell Wilson's been playing since what, 2012? It's been a long time. But all the, look at all these changes the AFC West made. It's all to stop Mahomes and Andy Reid's absolute domination over the AFC West since 2015. He's went 9-1 against the Raiders, 7-3 against the Chargers, 14-0 against the Denver Broncos since 2015. Patrick Mahomes has never lost to the Denver Broncos. I mean, this is worse than, you know, when Elway was there and when Peyton Manning and you're like saying, oh, it's an immovable force. You can't beat the Denver Broncos. With these quarterbacks at the end of the game, this way they feel about Mahomes. They hate Mahomes. Matter of fact, Andy Lindholm, who's uh, who does radio out there in Denver, was a sideline reporter for the Broncos for a long time, and he goes, "Yeah, one one thing Denver fans worry about the most is Mahomes." He said, "As long as Mahomes is there, they're worried about Patrick Mahomes." He said this years a couple years ago. Hell, that was Mahomes' first to win. And then you got the Raiders to bring in Devontae Adams, which I don't even know if he's 100 percent happy. Kramer, he may want out of there because Derek Carr's probably going to be gone there. And as his buddy. Yeah, we'll just see once the season's over with. I mean, we saw what Josh Jacobs said. <laughs> he, he wants out, it seems like. Heck, his contract didn't even get picked up. Yeah, Josh Jacobs is going to be out of there. But uh, Derek Carr gets Devontae Adams. And then on defense, they bring in Chandler Jones. And then you get the Chargers, J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. And they try to make these additions. Now, I will say this. At least the Chargers are going to the postseason. Like they made moves, not not they didn't do enough to beat the Kansas City Chiefs in the division, which is hilarious. Dusty and I last Friday, or we're, we're playing all the uh, the audio clips of uh, you know the hot takes in the uh, off season about the Chargers who always win the preseason AFC West, always, but the Chiefs win the actual AFC West. But they were even a Raiders and a Broncos. People believed in Russ. This was national picking against the Kansas City Chiefs that had won it six straight years. Now it's seven straight years. The team's picking against him. The uh, the list is out here for the odds. Sean Payton at four to one. Dan Quinn five to one. I feel Dan Quinn's kind of a remix of John Fox. I think he's younger and better. 
Jim Caldwell is six to one. Eric Bieniemy, by the way, nine to one on this list. So he's waiting on the list. But the CBS Sports ranked the top five. Frank Reich would be number five. Any fear in that? He would be good with quarterbacks, although you can't say he did anything this year with the quarterbacks in Indy. But he was good with Phillip Rivers last year. Number four, Shane Steichen. He's the offensive coordinator of Philadelphia Eagles. He's 37. Again, that's kind of going to Nathaniel Hackett. Unproven, right? You know, he's in Philadelphia with Sirianni. How much control does Shane have? Does Nick Sirianni give him all control of that offense? Because we know how good that Philadelphia offense is. Second to the Chiefs. Number three, D'Amico Ryans. San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator. Does that scare you? Just imagine if he would actually go there. That's a hell of a that's a hell good of a gosh. defense, though. Man, you keep Fox there as well. Like, oh my goodness. But to me, the Broncos have got to prove him offensively. That's the worst offense in the NFL. And yet all these defensive minds are listed there except four. We're still going. Number two, Dan Quinn. He's the Cowboys defensive coordinator. And number one person they want is Sean Payton. Now that's a guy that could bring in the offense. Denver's defense is still good. Even with Nathaniel Hackett, an offensive-minded head coach, that Denver defense is why the Denver Broncos actually do win games. And that's what there shows you, like how big of a what you how you need an actual head coach that's actually a good offensive-minded thing. Because we saw what Pete Carroll did with uh, Russell Wilson, Legion the Boom, everything that way. Great defense, and Russell Wilson was able to help them get to the Super Bowl, and they actually won one. Should have won two. They should have won two. If they would have run it, they, they if they would have ran it. They would have. But it, like they literally need that head coach. And if Sean Payton's the guy, and if Sean Payton, that they can figure out a way to trade for him, because remember he retired. He can't be like, all right, I'm gonna come out of retirement. I can sign somewhere else. No, they had to trade assets for him. I don't think the Broncos he's still have a contract assets. through uh, 2024. Yeah, the Broncos do not have assets. I mean, that they want to trade for Sean Payton, unless they're gonna like trade away like 2025, 2026, or 2027 first round draft picks, which I don't even know if you can even do 2027 first round draft picks. Like they have dug themselves into a hole right now. No, they have. I don't know which direction they're going to go. They lose that uh, early pick that they were going to have in the draft. That's how you, you build up your team with draft capital in Denver. How long before Denver is actually a viable threat to the Chiefs? I mean, this this year was an absolute disaster for them. There's taking your team and going completely backwards. They went completely backwards this year. Coming up next, though, we'll look back at that Seahawks-Chiefs game on Sunday. Kramer and Bank in here for you for Fesco in the Morning. Fesco in the Morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, Kansas City's home for car audio since 1967. Hey, welcome back to Fesco in the Morning. Jay Binkley, Kringo, Kramer Sansone with you this morning. Remember I was talking about Andy Reid's mastery in this division? He's 40-6 and six since 2015. And yet these coaches, they, you know, they bring in a Nathaniel Hackett. Like, that's going to be the answer. How about a coach with experience? I will say this. Sean Payton would be the only other coach in the AFC that has playoff experience, even though Brandon Staley will get it, but I don't know how long he'll keep his job because if I'm the Chargers, I'm firing him and bringing in Sean Payton because he wants to be out in L.A. That's what I'm doing. But against this division versus the Raiders, he's 9-1 in the last 10, 14-2 in his last 16, 16 of last ni- of his last 19. Versus the Chargers, 7-3 in the last 10, 15-3 in the last 18, 14 in a row against the Denver Broncos. That is absolutely dominance 
over your division. And this game, going into it, Kramer, there was a lot of complaining, I think, from fans. And I was actually sitting there in the first half. I was like, whoa, what's the number one thing people call in about after the game? The penalties and the defense and the tackling. And I felt those things went okay for the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought the tackling was much, much better. Not only that, I know that uh, with uh, the officiating, Blake Cleveland, people were worried about it. I thought a lot of the uh, calls went the Chiefs' way there early on. Because there was a while, Seattle had, what, four or five penalties before the Chiefs even had one. Now the Chiefs did get penalized, but I thought the penalties were fair in this game against the Chiefs. Cleek Blakeman didn't exactly go in and wasn't that bad at it. But I felt the penalties were down for the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think that they were as bad as what they've been in the past. So you can't really complain about that. Because Cleek Blakeman was a guy that was public enemy number one coming into Kansas City. What is Cleek going to do with this Kansas City Chiefs team? And I don't think anything really is to note about that. I will say this. This defense for the Kansas City Chiefs was good. And what you want to see is progress from this team. And with Seattle, that's a team, you know, fighting for playoff berth. That's a team trying to get into postseason. So it was, you know, not maybe not the ultimate test for the Kansas City Chiefs or anything. If had they beat them in Seattle, probably a little bit different, even though it's not difficult to beat Seattle in Seattle this year. But the Seahawks were a 7-7 seven and seven team going into it. Now find themselves 7-8. and eight. Um, So barely on the outside looking in in the NFC playoffs. So they had a lot to play for. And the Chiefs had a lot to play for to try to get the number one seed or hold on to it. Because right now, Cincinnati-Buffalo this weekend, let's say Cincinnati wins against Buffalo. Kansas City does have to win out. Because if Cincinnati wins, because I think we're all rooting for Cincinnati, give Buffalo that L. Because then the Chiefs can take care of their own business. Then they control their own destiny, what they're going to do. But if the Chiefs slip up once, the number one seeds go into Buffalo. And then, of course, Cincinnati has the tiebreaker of the Chiefs. Tiebreakers didn't hurt the Chiefs last year. It looked like it was going to. And they end up with the two seed. Tennessee gets bounced in the first round, so they end up with home field advantage anyway. And it was fine for the Chiefs. But this whole game, and I know it's cold, it was really, really cold outside. But the fact that the Chiefs, I, I felt offensively they stalled at times. I think it was one of those games where you say, well, okay, the offense wasn't as crisp as what you're used to. It was great in the beginning. Then it kind of stalled out going forward. But it's hard to complain about a 14-point win in the National Football League. And, of course, Seattle gets one of those late touchdowns in that game. The run defense wasn't as good as what we've seen from the Chiefs. They were sixth in the NFL and run defense going forward, and Seattle did end up with 133. But I thought overall tackling was decent for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I know that Seattle was able to run the football, which enabled them to hold the ball for 11 more minutes. And that, of course, helps when the Kansas City Chiefs are barely keeping the football and doing a lot of three and outs there in the second half. Kenneth Walker, a good game for Seattle. But this week, I think, is another test, Kramer, because what you have is new head coach, an interim head coach. with Denver's a mess, man. They're fighting on the sidelines. It's bad. They hate Russell Wilson. They're yelling at him. It, I mean, that, that is a toxic situation. But you don't know what you're going to get for them. They are desperate. Guys are playing, you know, for money or contracts, and they're playing for the next head coach because, trust me, these coaches they are going to be interviewing for Denver. They're watching these games. Who, who's going to play hard the rest of the year? Who's not? Like, really, like you find out a lot about a player when you're down 35 nothing. Like how much effort is out there, and you find out how much effort's there when you don't have any chance to win, and you're still fired up to play. 
And Denver, as I said, they need to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost 14 straight against Kansas City. That's embarrassing. Patrick Mahomes has never lost to the Denver Broncos. That is embarrassing. And it would make their season. They've had a terrible season, a miserable season. They almost beat Kansas City and Denver. That was a closer game than uh, I think uh, Chiefs fans wanted to have in Denver. And that was when that was a real toxic situation. Chiefs win that game 34-28. to And then Vegas to end the season. The Raiders lose this past weekend 13 to 10. They're starting to implode, Kramer. It's bad. You got Josh Jacobs complaining about the team. It's not a good situation. But here's the deal the Raiders do find a way to play the Chiefs close. So, first meeting this year was 30 to 29. Yeah, really close, Bink. That was close. Really close. Raiders that was, that that game. It was really close. That kind of sent the Raiders spiraling. Oh, no, I honestly agree with you on that. Now, last year, the Chiefs did beat the uh, beat the uh, Raiders, what, 41 to 14 and 40 to 9? Yeah, when they go to Arrowhead West out in Vegas, they uh, they tend to put it on them. Like, they, they, they the, the Chiefs do. They tend to put it on them. Well, it's indoors. It's a great situation to play. But I, I thought for the Chiefs, and you did your simulator. What was the simulator? You did the Arrowhead Pride simulator. Kramer does some oh, stuff the, for Arrowhead Pride. For the, the last game or for this one upcoming just, week? Just the Seattle one. Oh, the Seattle one. Oh, it was, I think, it was a bloodbath the entire time. It was all Chiefs. It was just all Chiefs. Well, I like the way they played this game. I wasn't sure what you're going to get. You're playing on Christmas Eve. What are you going to get? Because there's been some issues for the Chiefs and you fix them. But that's what these three games are about is fixing your issues that you have. Tackling's been a big one. Offense is not a problem. Yeah, it's stalled out at different times, but it is absolutely no problem with the Chiefs. There has been a lot of complaints on the postgame show about the uh, the offense, which is hilarious. Like, I find that extremely funny. Number one in yards, number one in points, number one in points per drive, number one in third down conversions, number one in fourth down conversions. This offense for the Chiefs is nails. But I honestly think this last game was all about the defense. I think the defense shined the most than the offense this past game against the Seahawks. I think that I think you have a very strong argument that people want to complain about how the offense played this past week. Granted, it was cold. But I still think the Chiefs' defense played 100% better than what the offense showed on the field on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, when the game still mattered, they were good. I mean, it kind of got away from them. Seattle did end up with five more first downs in that game than the Chiefs. Yeah, but they also came on that final drive that the oh, Seahawks I had. Know. They hit 333 yards So that's yards garbage of time. That's garbage. They, Take the I garbage time stuff out. They got then, a yeah. lot of garbage time points and uh, yards in this game. Well, not points, but yardage in this game. Oh, they got a garbage downs. time touchdown, so. The touchdown was garbage time. It was extremely garbage time. Heck, I didn't even know it even happened when I was trying to write my article for AP. You didn't even know that happened. Well, I was trying to post out the, for our post game stuff on our on the website. Yeah, no, I I didn't even realize that they scored a touchdown. So I had to go back and edit the the, the final score. It was the two twenty five left in the game. Noah Fant. Yeah, the game was already over. Got the final touchdown for Seattle. That's some good points on my bench for fantasy. Geno Smith, remember the Geno Smith train? Well, the thing about this, the Geno Smith train, it was the exact same time frame how he's Russell Pro Wilson Bowl, was. Way, but he's in the Pro Bowl. But Russell Wilson with the Seahawks was the exact same time frame of how Geno Smith was this entire season, of how good he was from week one to, say, week 12. That's how Russell Wilson has been in Seattle the past two years. So I don't know if it's just Pete Carroll or what. I, there's something going on in Seattle with the quarterback situation. And, heck, we even seen him bring it on over to, to how the Denver's He's a defensive is. mind. It's just tiring it's to run offensive coordinator. It's true. 
But it's funny that Geno Smith's in the Pro Bowl and Russell Wilson. Because what? Um, uh, Schottenheimer was the one that got fired in Seattle. Heck, that's a good. That's a Broncos. No Broncos. <laughs> Broncos. That's a. That's. Uh, I mean, if Russell Wilson and Team Three has the biggest camp of trying to figure out who they want to hire for their head coach, who knows? I know there's names like Shane Steichen and these guys out there. You know these young offensive coordinators. They need an established coach. Like they need one that's been an offensive coordinator for a while that calls plays. Like Nathaniel Hackett came over there and he didn't call plays. Yeah, but he was also very good for the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Like he was really good. Was it him or Matt Lafleur? That's the question. That's a good question. And now we see how Lafleur is right now. Like you look at the Chiefs' offense. You're saying, "Well, it's all our enemy," or is it Andy Reid? We know what the answer. It's, yeah, we know the answer. Me, he helps out in it. You know, he helps out with the game plans. He and has everything. some say. Yeah, but it's Andy Reid's. It's Andy Reid's offense. I'm just saying, be careful. And I've seen a lot of Pete Carroll disciples, defensive coordinators for the Seahawks. Gus Bradley comes in mind. Because that's Pete Carroll's defense. He's the defensive mastermind behind what goes on. Like, how much is the coach and how much is it that coordinator? Well, of course, the head coach going, okay, I want you to run this kind of defense. Because they let him, you know, they have autonomy to do whatever they want. But the head coach is, you know, strong. Like, the Chiefs offense <laughs> couldn't go do something crazy with Andy Reid here because Andy Reid would change it. Andy calls plays. Yes. So that's the big difference. It's Andy's final say. We, we know that. I just think the Broncos have to go established winner. If they try to get a stylish winner, though, it's going to take them so much, and they're going to be put, they're just going to dig themselves in a bigger hole. Look though. what the Jaguars did. Established winner. Doug Peters, that's really weird. He's already out in Philadelphia because you win a Super Bowl in that city, which had never won one. I get it at hard times, fell on the Eagles, but the guy can coach. So you think Russ eats his contract a little bit and rework that, and so they can bring in some more talent, I guess, around him? Because that's a lot of money you're paying for a guy that's a, a below-average quarterback in the league. He's got to see the writing on the wall. I mean, he's already got his teammates to do yell at him. He had his birthday party and went only half the people came Kramer. <laughs> he's got to do something because... Heck, I'd go just because Sears. He's not going to be good. He's not going to be good unless they get talent around him. And I actually like that roster going into it. I like Javante Williams. I like Jerry Judy. There's some pieces. I like Alberto at tight end. I, I like Dalton Reiser on the offensive line. I mean, a Sutton-Judy combination is good. they're a stud. They're, they're a stud team. I thought, honestly... That roster is one of the best in the AFC West, the makeup of it. I mean, there is talent there. A good head coach would change that. A good head coach can change you from being bad to good quickly. And this defense is also good without Bradley Chubb, who they just traded midseason. So, like, they, this defense is really good. They just need to find that quarterback and coach, thinking that they already got that this past offseason. They did. first-round pick, by the way, back. Oh, that's right. That's right, because Bradley Chubb, yep. They at least got one. Just one, I think. I'm not sure what that deal was. It's it's been a while. You know what's funny is I was watching the uh, don't laugh. I was watching the Quick Lane Bowl yesterday. Good. New Mexico State. Not, got I, you know, I'm not shocked. I don't, that's why I wouldn't say. I, that's why I wouldn't laugh. But Jerry Kill, you know, was at Web City. First one ever to win a title down at Web City with a Pittsburgh State coach uh, or a coordinator there. And he's been around. He was at Northern Illinois. You know, he, he was at Southern Illinois. Then he was at Minnesota. Had two eight and five years at Minnesota. He did go to three bowl games with the Gophers, right? Then he was at TCU for just a little bit as an assistant. He was at K-State for a year, too. But he's had health issues, right? He's had health issues, and people have been, you know, kind of shying away from that. So New Mexico State is terrible. They're an independent, right? They've won like two games, one game, two games. He wins seven games in a bowl game this year. Second time since 2002 for New Mexico State to win seven games. Why am I bringing this up? A head coach can turn things around. So there's that. 
How about the Kansas City Chiefs? Probably had the most miserable year in their history. In Kansas City sports history in 2012, first pick on the on the clock in the draft, worst record in the NFL. Boom, you hire Andy Reid. He starts off 9-0 the next season. You're the first pick in the draft. Andy Reid comes in, and you're 9-0 right off the bat the next year. Coaching. Like Denver doesn't need playtime anymore. They don't need romper room. They need experienced big boy pants on that sideline. As Chiefs fans, you know, we can sit here and laugh at what they do because we laughed by hearing Daniel Hackett. At least I did. But how many times are, are fans right over the team? It's hilarious. Like Zach Wilson gets taken by Jets. We're like laughing. You know, we're laughing. Like, what are they doing? Here's a pandemic, pandemic superstar with BYU. And he goes to the Jets and he's an ultimate failure and they need another quarterback already. Because I don't care how good a coach Robert Sala is. Jets aren't going anywhere with Mike White and Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson. They've got to get something different. Jim Trotter over at NFL Network, NFL.com, put out his nine burning questions in the National Football League. I think some of these are kind of fun to get into next. Fesco in the morning. (laughs) Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967 on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Fesco in the Morning. Jay Binkley with Kramer Sandstone for the rest of the week. What kind of music is this? It's almost like, you know, jazzercise. It's it, it, apparently the this name of it is Together the Stronger. That's cute. Together we stronger. I think we're stronger together, Bink. Kramer is, of course, she used to do night shows with me a lot. And uh, he did the post game. She's post game with me for a couple of years. Yep, she's post game. Heck, we did a, over a hundred games of the simulated baseball Royals. Oh, the virtual Royals. Virtual Royals. That was that was a pandemic era. I can believe it was two years ago. That was wild. That was two we years were ago. We nails on a lot oh, of the man, uh, rotation and everything. Heck, All but Mahomes being in a lineup. That's true. You're right. Hey, we, a, ca- we called. Hey, I wanted Matt Harvey on the team. He came on the Royals at one point. You're right. He did. Heck, we called up Brady Singer. That's right. His dad would watch. Heck, the Govern, the Governor, Jimmy Govern. I'll we'll get into the baseball here yeah, yeah, in yeah. a little bit, but man, I really like potential singer though. You talk about somebody turning it on and coming around towards the end of the year. Brady Singer's a stud, man. Like that's something to actually be excited about. The text line is nine one three five eight six seven six ten. Jay Southlay and Toast Service text line, and couple EBs. Eric B enemy. Someone says Eric Bieniemy will be the head, next head coach of the Broncos. Another one. What about Bieniemy? Here's another one. Will Biddy Bieniemy get it? How can we say he's going to get it? Because he never does. Like I'm shocked. Last three years, he's still with the Kansas City Chiefs. Because you keep thinking, okay, he's going to be the job. He deserves it. He deserves to be head coach. I, I think it must be past. I don't, I don't know what's going on in the interviews. I don't know what's going on with Andy Reid being your head coach. That is like the ultimate. Recommendation. If you're going to get a recommendation for any job, usually you kind of think about who you know and like who's had a little success and who's kind of level-headed because you want someone that likes you because you want them to say nice things about you so you can get the job, which the reference thing always cracked me up because you're really going to get somebody to crap on you. Like if you put somebody down as one of your three references, seriously, Kramer, if you put somebody as one of your three references on a job, are you really going to pick somebody 
that doesn't like you, that's going to crap on you. No, you're going to pit people that put sunshine out your butt. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, no, you're right. You're I, right on that. You know, we, you know I've, I've told you, fair game, I'll do any reference for you, and you've done the same Yeah, for same me. for you, yeah. I mean, it's, it's how you do it because I know you're not going to say anything bad. I'm brutally honest with people. I'm, well, <laughs> come on, man. Are, you, <laughs> are people really brutally honest when they get called for reference? I mean, I, I tend to be. Like, I'm curious, though, how many people are like that. And there's people going to work a little bit. I think this is a light week, man. Nobody goes to work in the middle of the – I think it's, it's a great Tuesday. week. Though. I mean, this, it's a great this, week. This is like one of my favorite weeks with bowl season and in the, in the NFL. I mean, I love this time of year. And this weekend's going to be insane with college football and pro football. I, Go I, it, blue. It's just, every weekend I say this is a great football week. This is. I mean, I can't say it's the best because I've been saying that the last two weeks because it has been the best. Heck, it was best for you last night when you are watching that subpar uh, bowl game on TV. But I think, but you know what, though? That game was better than the Chargers game. You're not wrong. But I will say this, and it was over before then, but with the college football playoffs coming up, the Sugar Bowl with Kansas State, KU plays tomorrow night. And by the way, I think they're going to get that game underway because they had a little water problem and power outage problem in, in Memphis. I think they're going to get it right. But nobody can get to Memphis because these flights are all canceled. What, 65% of Southwest canceled yesterday? That's just ridiculous. There's people, you know, people trying to get there. Yeah, my cousin's stuck in Austin, Texas right now. There's people trying to get to Memphis and can't. Again, here's the thing. If it's Memphis, get in your car. It's only like an eight-hour drive from here, isn't it? It's less than that. It's eight hours to Nashville. Oh, then it's definitely quicker. But maybe, maybe an hour or two. Maybe about six hours. I'm just saying, minutes. just get in your car and go because guess what? You might spend two or three hours in line. And I don't think the roads are bad through Missouri right now. No. No, they're not. But back to references. Like people that are always looking for jobs and switching around and stuff. Same thing with the NFL. If Andy Reid endorses you, which he has with EB, you would think that'd be okay. We'll hire him. Look at Andy Reid's coaching tree across the NFL. You don't tell me he didn't make a recommendation, you know, for all these coaches. Heck, we were looking at 2002 Eagles the other day with Sean Barber because he was on that team. The one year Andy Reid won Coach of the Year, Sean Barber was on that team. Barbershop was on that team in Philly. They had McDermott on that staff. They had Ron Rivera on that staff. I mean, they had a Andy Reid had a all-star staff. Spags was on that staff. I mean, it was an all-star staff of future head coaches. And look at Dougie P. was an offensive coordinator here and the su- success he had. Matt Nagy. Didn't have success at the end. We all know that. He was NFL Coach of the Year. He has as many Coaches of the Years as Andy Reid. Think about that for a minute. Matt Nagy has as many NFL Coaches of the Year as Andy Reid, who is fifth all-time in wins, third all-time in postseason wins. How does that happen? Would you classify Nagy as a success under his tree? Even though because of that? It was a short stint. Yeah. I mean, he could still rework himself out to being another head coach at some point. Oh, he'll be another head coach. It'll be this will be like Doug Peterson, man. But do you think Nagy would get another head coach for Eric Bieniemy? Which I hope that doesn't happen. <sighs> and but here's the thing with me: I think EB the best chance for him is to go college route and then work your way back up. Granted, I know that sucks. You don't want to go from the the the, the highest among highs to go to like a, a a college football system. But heck, I mean, the team that he was linked to the most was Colorado because I mean that's where he's from. Like that's where he went to school. It's an alma mater. But now we got Dion there, which is a great hire, man. I cannot wait for that. Well, hey, okay, now would you would you think that EB would go be the offensive coordinator for Dion? He's been the offensive coordinator at Colorado before. Yeah, Didn't I know, but would he go long. back that way though? Because Dion's there, it's different. You're gonna get you're gonna get more the money, eyeballs. The money, the money is scarce in Boulder. Matter of fact, when they hired Dion, they said that uh, they're good for it. They don't have it right now, but they'll get the money. 
Right? It was one of those deals. More like, I owe you. Yet. Yeah. You show us what you got, and then we'll pay you pretty practically. Matt Nagy went 12-4 and four that year. He got coach of the year. So 12-4, and four, wow. you go to the Bears, 12-4, and four, it's going to get coach of the year. Then a couple of eight and eights after that. So he will get another chance. You know why? Because he's back with Andy Reid, and he's working with Patrick Mahomes. Matt Nagy would be the offensive coordinator here if Eric Bieniemy went out and got another job. Well, easily, yeah, because, I mean, he's the guy that, that fed Patrick Mahomes plays before the, the draft interview process. But the bottom line is, as we were saying, if you're going to get a recommendation, aren't you calling somebody that uh, has some cred? Like, if Andy Reid was your reference on your job, <laughs> I don't care what job it is. Oh, man, I got to call coach. You got to say something nice about people. And Andy Reid's like the ultimate recommendation. That's why I don't understand why it's not working. It's kind of like how I use Mitch Holtis on some stuff. It's a perfect, it's a perfect, great namesake to have. Ryan Lefevre, any of those guys. It's a good one too. They're, they're trusted today. Mike Kafka, by the way, that was on the staff. I always, I told Pete, I said, I bet Kafka, Kafka has a good chance he becomes a head coach, even maybe before he be. Not that it's right, but just the way his trajectory is going. He's the offensive coordinator for the Giants, who, by the way, are <laughs> not exactly finishing this year strong, with old Brian Dayball. Speaking of the 2012 Chiefs team, that offensive coordinator for a team that didn't have a lead nine weeks through the season where we compared to the Buffalo Bisons. Good luck. He turned Josh Allen around, or did Josh Allen turn Brian Dable around? Like the chicken before the egg. I mean, Josh Allen didn't have a good year. Brian Dable comes in, and he becomes the guy he is. I just think that I don't care who it is. This got me thinking, though, seriously, about references. It did. It's totally got me thinking about references. Like in recommendations from coaches and who to hire and who not to, because Denver's going to need it. But personally, isn't that the most ridiculous thing ever? Like your top three people you put in here as references are not going to say, well, you know what? Last weekend he got all drunk and got high and he drove his car and whatever. So I, you know, he's a good, good employee, I guess, but he's just a little wild. He's been married two times, gets divorced. You know, he's not a great guy. Peter Carter got stolen. Terrible dad, but, you know, he's a good employee. No, you're not getting somebody. You're going to get somebody to lie for you. But with Andy Reid, you don't need to do that. You say, hey, hire this guy, and then boom, it's done. Well, Andy could also be like, hey, did you see what happened back in 2019? I mean, do you think that I had most of the say of that? I mean, sort of, but, I mean, EB was there the entire time. I always thought the Chargers should have got him. Yes. Instead of Brandon Staley. I agree. I absolutely agree with because you Because he knows the division. Not only that, he does put a lot of some of these plays together. He does put a lot of some of the game plan together for the Chiefs, a bunch of it. But he's been with Mahomes every single day. <laughs> he's been in Kansas City as a coach every single day that Mahomes has been here. Every single day. You would think the Chargers, okay, who do we need to beat? The Chiefs? What can we learn about Andy Reid? Well, who the hell would know more about Andy Reid than just about anybody? And I mean Eric Bieniemy. The Broncos right now looking for a coach. Eric Bieniemy is nine to one. Of going there, that's his odds. But, they, but, but they've had their choice before, and he's been spurned by the Broncos. He's been spurned by that area of their team. Yeah, but and I know, they, hey, I know the rumors are gonna, He's new, nine to one. They got by the, the way. Walmart money. That's new ownership. Like I mean, heck, you, who knows? It's nine to one. I'm just saying, if I'm a team, I want to take. I want to see who's good, and then I think, okay, you got to be careful though, because people did this with the Patriots. Charlie Weiss, remember, Bill O'Brien was on that tree. Josh McDaniels yeah, McDan- yeah. on that tree. Romeo Cordell on that tree. Matt Patricia. And then you find out it was the tree, not the branches. 
You were? I mean, it's one of those things. But again, if you've been in the league, EP has, has made his name in the NFL. Listen, he's been here doing it long enough. He's a well-known name in the NFL. He's right not now. one of these one-year offensive coordinators, you know, like, like Brandon Staley was with the Rams before he got a head coach of Chargers. Not a one-year wonder. You know, not a Daniel Hackett that wouldn't call him plays. That's an established coach with a good football team. That, oh, by the way, happens to know the inside out from every day of practice, every day of training camp, every game, Patrick Mahomes. And watch his film with him being the offensive coordinator. And knows every little thing Andy Reid does and how he goes about his practice, how he goes about his work day, how he goes about game day. You would think you'd want somebody at least to turn the ship around that way. Then maybe go a different direction head coach, but get somebody to turn that thing around. And the fact that you're also doing it in division, you play them twice a season. So you at least know if you know how to get to the quarterback or at least understand the quarterback's mentality of everything, those are two. Those should be two easy wins for you in said division. 816, Nagy will take over after we win the Super Bowl and Coach Reed retires. I don't think Coach Reed's going anywhere for a while, man. Even if he wins the Super Bowl this year, he wants another one. You know, I'll never forget Brett Veach, you know, talking about, you know, when he did an interview right after the Chiefs Super Bowl win. And he's like, paraphrasing, was being like, yeah, you think you, you know, you win a, win a title and your, your name is, you know, sewn in history, being a GM that wins a title. But then you understand you kind of want more. Like, these guys want more. They want multiple championships. Mahomes definitely does. But I don't see Reed. Now, if, if there was no quarterback in Kansas City, would Reed be on the beach in San Diego? Probably. But the fact that Mahomes here completely changes everything. We'll take a break from the NFL for just a second. Again, we have Pete Sweeney, editor-in-chief, arrowheadpride.com. Coming on, Dana Hughes. Coming on later. But we need to talk some baseball. Because Kramer's big in the MLB. Of course, there's Hosmer and Moose out there, and I'll get your opinion on that. But this Carlos Correa deal is hilarious. We discuss that next. This is Festo in the Morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967, with friend of the show, Brett Veach. You're listening to Festo in the Morning. I mean, I'm not, but you are. On 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Good morning, Jay Binkley with Kramer Sansone, the Cream Dog, producing all week. Where's here? Did your pipes freeze, Kramer? Uh, they did not. They did not. Did yours? <laughs> yeah, they did. They did, Kramer. Everything's gone, man. A little flood, little flood around Christmas with that cold. Perfect timing, right? It was no fault of my own. I dripped my faucets, right? Yeah, you I mean, have to drip your faucets if it's going to be this cold out. That's that's just that's just a, a given. Seems to be more of a problem this year. Remember last year, it, got, it was cold for like, what, seven, eight days in a row? It was below zero. I don't remember the pipes freezing being as big of a problem as it is now. Like, we even have, like, signs outside of our apartment complex that says, hey, leave your water drip, do all this stuff, open with cabinets, everything. Like, I've never seen signs put out, like, when you drive in that says that. Never have. Never seen it before. Well, it's smart because it is a major issue around the town. Uh, from the text line, um, 913-586-7610, J. Southland Toast Service text line. Says that uh, Eric Bieniemy is uh, full of cliches. That's all he knows how to do. Here's the thing. Most coaches do cliches all the time. It's not just EB. A lot of them do it. A lot of them say, well, next game, we played hard. Let's see what we got next week. We respect our opponent. They don't want to do the post-game presser, so they do that. That's the only reason why. Or the pre, or the, the throughout the week presser. That's like, yeah, that's the only reason why they do always that. You know, really good football team and stuff like that. It could be one win or no wins and really good football team. Yeah, Houston Texans, really good football team. Well coached. 
But they all have cliches. So it's not just Pianami with cliches. Does he do cliches? Absolutely, 100% he does. And he's good at them. But here's the thing. A lot of coaches uh, do that. There's no question about it. Um, as far as Nagy taking over for, for Reed when he retires, I know I, I said poo-pooed that real quickly that I don't see him go anywhere anytime soon. I don't know about that. I don't know if there is a successor right now. Like Secession, the HBO movie. Who takes over Kansas City? Who knows? Could it be somebody in the system? Yeah. Could it be somebody from the outside? Yeah. But you know what? It's probably going to be a head coach with a lot of experience and knows how to win. Why? Patrick will make the decision. I know Clark Hunt's got the checkbook, but Patrick Mahomes will make the ultimate call on who's the head coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. Believe it. Think Peyton Manning chose who was coaching him? Yeah. The best ones do. Can you see any coach hired that Patrick Mahomes doesn't fully endorse? He likes Nagy, so there's a good chance of it always. I don't know if uh, – do you think – here's the other one. Do you think Veach will – you know, they go 50-50 on it? Like, hey, I like that guy. Okay, me too. Or, like, I really don't like that dude. Do they, do they want to make sure that they both like the guy? Or does it? Is it? do you think Mahomes has the favor for it? I think Mahomes is the ultimate pick. I've always said this. If Clark Hunt's having a meeting, you know, in his, in his Texas offices, and there's Mahomes – Reed, Spags, Veach, any of them in the hallway or in the waiting room, and they want to say, okay, who's going to go first? It's Mahomes. Like, that's the one irreplaceable. I can understand Reed with Mahomes, a perfect combination. The one irreplaceable guy that this franchise has is him. Well, I mean, he's locked up for the next nine years now, I think. Is it nine? Yeah. Or is it ten? But that guy right there is the guy making the ultimate decision. And he, he'll do that. Of course, he's influential on draft picks, too. He'll give his advice. But Veach has done a great – it's just a great chemistry between them all, between Veach, between Mahomes, between um, Andy Reid, just a good and combination. And it shows because they're winning. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. When you sit there and watch the Rams with Baker Mayfield, you know, I know they've had injuries and everything else, but that team's terrible. I know they just killed the Broncos, but that's bad beating bad. It's, Seriously. Yeah, no, it is. That was – you know, it's an ass-kicking contest with a guy with one hand behind his back, tied behind his back, and the other guy does too. Heck, the Broncos don't even have a hand to, th- to fight with. But to finish first in your division, I, you've seen the NFC East. They're good, they have 18 different winners the last 18 years. <laughs> that's, in, that's actually what the NFL wants. They want parity, and they keep doing it. And finally, you hear people talking about actually how hard it is to do what the Chiefs did, seven straight division titles, when everybody in your division wants to beat you. Doesn't work out. Oh, next next season two, the Chiefs already won the division. Already, people will say the Chargers though. That's of course, come, that's of gonna course, on, but that's going to come on strong. It's going to come on strong because they're actually in the playoffs. Like Justin Herbert and the Chargers don't have to sit on the couch and watch the playoffs like we do. They're actually in the dance. But of course, the Raiders were in the dance last year. I'll remind you. And how's that dance going? One and done, and they are not good. Regardless, I I just, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You listen to 610 Sports Radio, KCSP, Kansas City, WDAF, HD2 Liberty, and Odyssey Station. All right, Cream Dog, baseball is your thing. You played baseball up at Northwest Missouri State. You're all about baseball. I like baseball as well. I'm a football guy, first and foremost, but I do, do like me some baseball. Love me some baseball. Hosmer Moose, available. I heard <laughs> I heard some of the shows talking about these guys. Would you bring them back or not? 
I'm not touching the either one of them at all. At all. You're moving forward, man. You can't keep going in the past. You got to move forward. I'm, I'm good with I hey, Once they left Kansas City, you know, we all good. S- we saw their tail ends here in Kansas City. I mean, Haas was you already we saw the decline from that season, and then we, he did not do much in San Diego, nor he did much in Boston. There's no reason why you would want to bring Haas back. Plus, with Vinny Pasquantino there, and if they want to use Rhino Hearn, no, there's no reason for Haas. Like Moose is the only one you can say, okay, I can yeah. see him at third base, then, then or have, second. Then you have Bobby Wood Jr. You know it. Yeah, Bobby's going to be a shortstop all season next year. He has to be. There's no reason for you to say, oh, no, Bobby needs to come back to be the third baseman. But Moose wasn't good at the plate last year either in his no, limited time. But he was, yeah, limited. But, no, there's no reason for you to want to bring back guys that helped you win a championship when you know that the guys that they were accustomed to coming up to this organization are not here anymore. Like, right? they're not here. Like, there's no reason for you to bring them back. And I understand the sentimental value. Oh, Hosmer and Moose. You know, it's, it's flashy. No, didn't bring back Ned Yost. Just bring the whole crew back. 2015 was a long time ago now. It it's, it's hard to believe because remember they kept wearing the gold jerseys on Friday night with the letters because they won the World Series? But now we're starting to get away from it. Yeah. We're now just, it's going to yeah, be 2023, and you know what? In two more years, we're in 2023 here in, what, a couple days? Once that, we're two years, essentially, from the 10-year anniversary from the Royals winning the title. And also, bringing them into Kansas City, it won't be cheap because they have the, the veteran minimum that they have to at least pay them for because of how their service time is in Major League Baseball. So there's no reason for them wanting to shell out money for guys that are declining in their careers. Like, they're, it's not good. Like, they, they do not need to go after these guys. When they got the young studs that they are trying to rely upon for this next few seasons in order for them to get over the hump. Now, if you're just looking for, okay, we need a, a locker room leader, because that's one thing they were missing last year. Even Mike Matheny answered that, because I asked him. I said, what's this locker room missing? Well, I need guys to step up. Like, I need guys to step up and show me something. But now you get, you know, wit's gone and all this. Now these voices can be heard. Now the Bobby Witt Juniors, you know, he can go ahead and take over the vocal leader. You don't have to worry about stepping over anybody's, you know, toes because you're a rookie. You got Vinny coming in again. Again, you don't have to worry about, you know, being the new guy here and you got to be cautious what you say because they all are if there's veteran leadership, you know, in that room. They could go forward. And it's one thing the Royals needed last year, didn't have it, was that vocal leadership. And I do believe they always need some of the veteran player to kind of bounce things off of. That was Grinky. Oh, I absolutely agree. And I'm still not dead set and sold upon Salvador Perez even going to be in a Royals uniform this upcoming season. I, I'm, I still don't think the Royals are done with anything out. But they have got to look forward and not and just make sure that they're bringing guys that they would hope to turn this team around. Because this is not a playoff contender team at all. This isn't. This is another rebuild season. I hate saying it, but it's a rebuild season for the Kansas City Royals. And it's now to see what all the young guys can do in a full season together. No, I'm with you on that. And <laughs> it's, it's like they play in a different world when you look at the Royals and you look at the Mets. Oh, it, it, this Korea deal doesn't look like it's going to happen with the Mets. It might. It might still. 55% chance. But there's 800-plus million locked up for the Mets long-term with these contracts. Like almost $400 million next year, 380 or something like that, $110 million in luxury taxes. Bottom line is the Royals were bought for a billion. The Mets almost have locked up contracts for $800,000. $200,000 difference between what the Royals were purchased for. And that's not even adding on the luxury tax. But they're in a different league. Like, the Royals are in a different league. That if a guy feels a physical, okay, let's go give him $315 million like the Mets did Korea. Although, the Mets are having the same issue with the physical that the Giants did. 
What did they think they'd magically? You think the Giants just failed him on his physical just for fun? No, that was going to be a key piece because the Giants can't get anybody. They thought they had Aaron Judge too. Remember, who who put that tweet out there that he's going to the Giants? That still lives on. Was it Heyman? It was Heyman. It was Heyman. It was Heyman. It was Heyman. Yep, it was Heyman. Yeah, no, that's that's sad. But here come the Mets. Oh, here come the Mets sweeping in. They're going to get Carlos Correa. They had Correa for six days. They had Aaron Judge for a day and a half in San and San Francisco. But yeah, no, the Mets and Royals are two different spectrums of how baseball is being played. It's because of market size. And that's that's the crappy thing about it. And they, the Royals need money. And the only way they can get money is getting people butts in seats. So they need, they need to sign at least a flashy guy to get some butts in seats. Heck, would you do a Correa for a couple of years? You know, attendance helps, but that's minuscule compared to the other parts True. that work for. Like I mean, TV money, radio money. TV money's huge. Advertisements, that ends up being more than butts in the seats, believe it or not. I mean, that's kind of the ultimate fact. That's why these teams were able to survive with no fans yeah. a couple of years ago because then we realized real quick, oh, it's not the only thing with these teams to make money. But the Correa deal's weird. Like, you fuck, you fail your physical with another team, and another team, so you're not supposed to do that. Like, agents, even though you haven't signed the dotted line, you agreed in principle, the unwritten rule is you don't seek other offers. Like, you don't seek other offers. Once you've agreed with a team, it's a bad look. It's a bad look for the player. It's a bad look for the agent. Unless it breaks down like the Giants did. Okay, Giants are, you know, being cautious about this, may want you to restructure. That's when you can get on the phone. And you know what you do? You call the Mets. Anytime <laughs> you need your player to make money, you call the Mets. But look at his agent, Scott Boris. Scott Boris is going to fight for his player no matter what, and I think Scott Boris is bad for baseball because of all these big contracts. But, I mean, granted, the players need to get paid. I Depends think on how you look at it. It's true. If you're a player, <sighs> he's point. good for baseball. That's true. He's very good for baseball for a player, but for like a, a person that watches the game and follows it constantly, it's not good for baseball because of all these Big jacked up rates because Carlos Cray is not worth $350 million. He's not worth $330 million. He's never, listen, I know his OPS plus and stuff like that are very good. Yeah. First of all, he he has trouble. He's, he has even played 162 games. I don't think he has. No, no. He's never had 100 RBI in a season. Nope. He's never hit 30 home runs in a season. Nope. And yet, 315, is it 315 with the Mets? I think it is 315. 315. It was, was going to be more at the Giants. Can you imagine? Giants. Can you imagine paying by three hundred fifty million that's never had a hundred RBI, never had thirty home runs? I get OPS plus and all this. No, but for the novice fan who watches baseball for like not for the minuscule stats and stuff, you want to look at home runs, RBIs, batting average. Granted, he has a great batting average. He's a good hitter at the plate. Well, his OPS plus is good. He gets on base and he does some things. But again, is that a franchise player to pay three hundred fifteen million? I know they have a bunch there in New York, but it's some of the give three hundred fifteen million dollars to. It's like a different league from the Royals. It really is. No, it is, and it, it has changed. I know in fourteen and fifteen, baseball had changed. Believe it or not, the Royals had the highest payroll in baseball in nineteen eighty nine. They did. They were parlaying that it off of eighty five. You and Coffin had the highest payroll in baseball in nineteen eighty nine. Then what happened? Explosion of cable television. Teams getting their own rights. You know, the super stations of the world, you know, showing all the games, WGN, that, that started to, you know, be across, you know, Yankees with the uh, Yes Network now, but, you know, Madison Square Garden Network and everything. Just all these networks, the television blew up, and that's what changed baseball. It did. But here's also a thing, too. Steve Cohen, though, for the Mets, like, he's a guy that wants to win. He doesn't care how much money he has to give out because he knows that he's going to try to bring a title to New York. Like, he, that's what he wants to do. So it would be nice to see if – the Royals could say, hey, we're actually going to spend money. Like, we bought this for a billion dollars. Granted, you're going to have probably more than more money than a billion dollars if you're trying to make an investment on something. 
So you at least know there's money somewhere within the organization as whether or not they want to spend it or not. Granted, the luxury tax is going to be a lot if you want to start, start wanting to pay people like big name guys. Like, say, Carlos Correa was a, a guy that an option throw was wanted to. Granted, it's not. But they need to give out that big contract. Are we ever going to see that here in Kansas City? Probably not. You have the money to do it. No, <laughs> but if you have to, but if you have the owner, that's like, hey, yeah, no, I bought this for a billion dollars. I have hush money behind me, like I'm not telling you how much I have here. But if you have that money to get, purchase the team for a billion dollars, you'd have a money enough money for anywhere else that you can help bring in talent to help build a winning baseball team. When you have the big markets throwing out the money, which they are always, I know always. Houston won it. Well, Houston's what the fourth biggest market in the United States. They spend a lot on the Astros. It's a huge market. But who's paying? L.A. and New York. Mets, Yankees, Dodgers, they're paying. San Francisco, to some extent, was trying to. Didn't get the credit. I think it's worth like $17 billion. Yeah, he's, he's rich. So this stuff doesn't bother him. But you know what? A series of bad deals, $300,000 hits do hurt. I don't care how much money you got. You can't keep making bad. Because these guys are smart. They don't make bad business decisions. But it seems like it sometimes is with, with the players. They're trying to buy a champion. Remember the Marlins? They bought two and then resold everybody. Remember they bought, but that was a different era. It was a lot cheaper than to buy it. But in a more, when you look back at 15, the Royals were top 15 payroll in 15. Like that actually, they actually had spent more than the Mets when they played the Mets in the World Series. The Royals actually had a higher payroll than them, which is hard to believe. But still, it wasn't a top five, top three payroll in Major League Baseball. They just had to be smarter than everybody else. They had to make decisions, draft, develop, and make smart decisions or be like Dayton Moore get somebody you think is washed up and comes in like a Ryan Madsen or something like that you know people didn't want you bring in a guy like that to be an instrumental part of your team you have to find bargain deals you got to find diamonds in the rough you got to be smarter than everybody else it's a big parallel to like the beach because beach is spending the same amount of money that other NFL teams that that's really different because he's spending the same and the talent pool is essentially the same too Depending on compensatory picks, there's usually like 254 to 258 players drafted in the NFL at the combine. That's your pool. Now, yes, there are guys outside of the pool and drafted free agents you grabbed that didn't go to the combine. But for the most part, your talent pool is in one place. Your money is in all the same between all the teams. You just got to be smarter. You got to be smarter. You got to make good trades. You got to build team chemistry. What Beach is doing with this team is ridiculous. Like the Orlando Brown deal. Yeah, people don't like Orlando Brown. I get that because he's struggling. But you, who else was going to be the tackle? They tried Trent Williams. They didn't work out. They tried it like two or three in the morning. It didn't work out. They get Orlando Brown. Oh, they also got pick number 58, which turned into Nick Bolton. It's a great pick. Which, by the way, is a first-round pick if it was redone now, which is great. I mean, so essentially he got that back, you know, from Baltimore and that Orlando Brown. You got to be smarter. And the Royals for years were just smarter than everybody else. I mean, a, a contract like Omar Infante, like a $12 million hit, was hard for the Royals. Other teams could pay. It doesn't matter. Like the Mets, the Red Sox, Dodgers, they, they can get rid of it. Josh Hamilton was owed, what, $70-something million by the Angels or over $100 million. And they, they just paid it to get rid of him. Man, I heard that name in a while, Josh Hamilton. Hey, what was his salary last year? I, I think that they still owed him a bunch of money. I'm not sure, but uh, Josh Hamilton was paid a lot of money. But anyway, these teams can pay guys just to go away. And the Royals can't do that. They just have to be smarter than you. He's getting paid half a million dollars, I think. When they first signed him, it was five for 125, which back then was a big deal. 
inflation is ridiculous right now, Bink. It is r- ridiculous. That's 2010 is when he signed that five-year deal. 12 years ago. Now we're saying like five years, $250 million. And Josh Hamilton got paid. Guaranteed contracts are a good thing for baseball or a bad thing. And here's the thing, too. I, I understand I like the extra team in the wild card. I think that's good. You want more markets to be interested. But it's, isn't it hard to watch your team you know, play with you know, $100 million payroll against a payroll of 300 some odd million? But I do admit it is nice to see that $100 million payroll beat that $500 million payroll. No, it's great to see. It's, but it's like it's one of the best things to see. But it's an asterisk. Sadly. Because, I mean, think about this. We're probably not going to see another contract here. After, well, I mean, heck, I don't even know if we're going to see another contract for Bobby Wood Jr. here, MJ Melendez, Vinny Pasquantino. Because well, Bobby's, Bobby's going to break the bank. I'd he, hope. But he can soon because we're seeing more and more players sign these deals early. Heck, we saw that, what, three years ago at the Atlanta Braves, locking up Ozzie Albies, locking up Ronald Acuna Jr. Like, I think the Royals, if they want to make sure that they're dead set on wanting to make sure Bobby Wood Jr. is the future here, they got to him, sign him that 10-year, $200 million contract. We need to see that right now to show that we have faith in what we want to see for the Royals because I would love to see Bobby Wood Jr. finish his entire career start to finish here in Kansas City. But he's in line. You look at his contracts because he hasn't gone to the first one. He's in line to get that money. I'd hope. Like any point. At any time, he could get paid. But I don't want. And another, you're going to have to pay him at some point. I just don't want another Carlos Beltran situation happen here in Kansas City with a guy that, like, because I mean, that's probably their their most recent stud that they've had here in Kansas City was Carlos Beltran. Remember Fernando Tatis? He got paid just his first year coming up, and now he got to stick a needle into him in order to get better. Yeah, and, and I get it. And last year with Bobby Wood Jr. and Vinny and all that, and Michael Massey was fun to see. MJ Melendez was fun to Nathan. see these guys come up. But but eventually, you got to start winning. Like that stuff's great. And that stuff puts butts in the seats, and people get excited to watch. That's good for television packages and everything else. But eventually, that's got to culminate in the wins. Like, no matter how good these old guys are and how fun they are to watch, you got to win. I mean, they're fun to watch in AAA, but are they fun to watch here in Major League Baseball? I think so. I mean, I think the Royals have a good quarter. They're actually a fun watch. They're not. But again, it's not fun watching them lose. No, it's not. It's fun seeing MJ smack a home run or Bobby Wood Jr. hit a home run. That's cool. Or Vinny, that's fun. But when the bottom of score, when the final score is nine to seven, not Royals, it's not fun. See how yoked up Vinny Pasquantino is right now. Yeah, he is. Oh, he's a tank. That's all you got to do is he's lift hit, in the he's hitting, he's hitting forty bombs this year. I'm putting it down right now. Does he lead the Royals next year? Uh, he's he's definitely leading the Royals. I think it's Melendez, then Pasquantino, and then Bobby Wood Jr. I think Melendez is the biggest home run hitter on this team. Think so. We led all of minor league baseball two years ago. That's true. MJ Melendez is a stud. I think they're all studs. Bobby Wood Jr. is a stud. Vinny's a stud. But I think MJ ends up being the home run leader for the Kansas City Royals. They have a good, solid three-core. At least those three guys. If you want to say there's a big three in baseball, the big three for the Royals right now, if you exclude Salvador Perez, because granted, he's always a big person, a component to winning games. But it's Vinny, MJ, and Bobby. 100%. I mean, they have a core just like we think of Haas, Moose, Kane, and throw Salvi in there. You can throw Salvi in now with the Royals. Perez led the team in home runs this year with 23 in 114 games. Bobby Witt Jr. played 150 games, had 20. MJ, 21 games less than Bobby Witt hit 18. Bobby Witt hit 20. MJ hit 18. MJ has a very good launch angle to his bat. I, I love watching him play. I remember, you know, seeing what they did in Abel. 
You know, well, every single there. season, every single season in A, it was what high A, then double A. I know they didn't win one in triple A, but they were they were they're winning at all levels, yes. kind of like what Hosmer, Moose, and mm-hmm. Prez and those guys did win a Texas league, win the PCL, win all the different leagues. No, they have they have the the core talent, the mentality of winning. They have that locked into them, and they know how to do it. It's just whether or not can we see a transfer here to Major League Baseball? Depends on what you want, in Major League Baseball. You want a team that's going to break the bank like the Mets. You want a team like the Royals that's trying to be smarter than everybody else, or you want a team like the A's that's going to build a team and then sell everybody off like uh, yeah, rough. Bean does. Have great teams, great expectations. Like that 14 A's team that played the Royals in the you know, wild card game, he had pushed, Billy Bean had pushed all in that year. You know, there's only one player from that team from like two years ago that's still on the team. It's Ramon Liriano. It's a is fun it, fact. Is that right? Yep. Only one guy, Ramon Liriano. When are they going to be in Vegas? Probably in a few years. Well, I mean, did you see uh, Manfred wants to expand to 32 teams? So, I mean, that could be a possible location for a new team is Vegas. It needs to be there. I agree. I always thought the NBA would be there first. I mean, the WNBA is there. Then the, the, the NHL. NFL, I thought, would be last. But things have really changed with betting in the NFL now. Well, NFL is also the biggest money-making thing. So they, they had to get the biggest money-making thing there, but they ended up getting one of the, the worst teams in the National Football League to go there. I wonder how much the casino – you know the casinos, the big owners of them, like Caesars, MGM, and all that. I guarantee oh, yeah. they have suites. Oh, no, they have to. I guarantee the suites are filled with high rollers. Like, hey – you want the buffet or do you want to go to Raiders game? Unfortunately, they'd probably choose the buffet over Raiders games right now. Well, the buffet's but that's there. not what they want. So the buffet's there. So, I mean, they're just going to go there and watch it. They're going to get some free food and watch maybe 20 minutes of a game and leave. <laughs> Which one do you want? Oh, no, let me get they, the food. They give, they give the high rollers. You know the food's good there. You know it's good there. Oh, I guarantee it. Guarantee it. We'll take that. We have Pete Sweeney coming up at 730. But coming up next, we'll take a look at some of this playoff picture and the Chargers making it in last night. Fesco in the morning, locked in, focused, and ready to go starting at 6. I get the bosses wrong all the time, too. I remember which one's on which team. Yeah. Right. Chubs are same way. Chubs are the same way. Yeah. Um, Where was I going with this now? I totally forgot. I lost you on yeah, Chubb, you, you, you nine-year-old. <laughs> Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967 on 610 Sports Radio.